Hello, my friends. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm so glad you decided to join us today. So just a little call to action. You guys know how much I hate marketing, but I'm going to do it a little bit. If you have a moment, I would really appreciate if you took some time to maybe rate us on Apple Podcasts, write a little review, or you can connect with us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. I'd really love to hear from you. I've had people reach out from time to time, and I got to tell you, it really warms my heart to know that people are listening and that this is something that's resonating with people. So the more that you connect with me, the more opportunities I get to share with others. So please take some time to do that if you feel so inclined. Today's guest is Susan M. Chu. She is a crystal expert, energetic healer, and feng shui coach. She helps her clients move through and out of physical discomfort, emotional turmoil, and mental imbalances. Her decade-long experience with crystals has earned her the reputation of knowing exactly what crystal a person needs. Susan draws not only from her teacher's teaching of feng shui, but also from her ancestor roots going back generations. I do hope you enjoy my interview with Susan M. Chu. Hi, Susan. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. Hi, Sarah. Nice to be here. I'm very excited to be here. I'm ridiculously excited. I think I've told you over email. I've been buying crystals like it's my job lately, and <laughs> I don't really know why, except that I just, I've always loved rocks in general, but like crystals are my jam now. So I just want to hear you talk forever. So I'm very excited. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> do you want to tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do? I am a crystal expert, energetic healer, and a feng shui coach. So I help my clients move through and out of the physical health challenges, emotional turmoil, and mental imbalances. So I've studied and worked with crystals extensively over the past decades, and I've been working with feng shui since I was a little girl. That's awesome. And I remember I heard you on Andrea Clunder's podcast. So Andrea is actually my editor, so she'll be hearing you again. Oh, okay. Yeah. But so I heard you on her podcast and your story is awesome. So I'd really love to hear your journey of where you started and then how you ended up becoming a crystal expert. My background started in finance. So I was in finance for most of my life, working behind the scene in the banking industry. And about a month after Hurricane Sandy in 2012, I became ill. I mean, I was mm. literally bedridden for an entire week. I, I barely woke up during the entire time. Wow. I dragged myself to a doctor who told me I had the flu. Hmm. Now, I've had flus in the past, and I also know what flu feels like. And this did not feel like a flu to me. Mm -hmm. So two months later, I wasn't feeling any better. And so I went to go speak in Eastern acupuncturist. So I was using crystals back then already. Mm -hmm. and But I was using crystals from a spiritual perspective. Mm -hmm. I wasn't using them for physical health. I was using them to raise my vibration, deepen my intuition, connect with source. It was only after I got sick that I started using it for physical health. Mm. But by that time, it was a little bit too late in the game sort of thing. Also, prior to Hurricane Sandy, I believed and followed Western conventional medicine. I didn't have any, I mean, I had my little doubts here and there about like the vaccines, the antibiotics and the flu shots, but mm -hmm. I felt that the doctors knew more than I did. Like they went to school and they went to train for several years. Mm -hmm. So they must know what they're talking about. 
But after that incident with the flu or what my doctor had diagnosed as a flu, I started asking questions about everything. I just wasn't totally convinced that Western conventional medicine was necessarily the best choice all the time. So I started using crystals for my health. And so fast forward to today, like my health is just so much stronger. It was even stronger than my health before the flu, before like all this happened. But the thing was, what was quite interesting was that the spiritual quest that I was on previously helped me a lot in the sense that I realized that my physical health crisis was a symptom. Right. And that the imbalance of my lifestyle, the lack of self-care, the working and living in Manhattan, the stress was Mm. the symptom. And I mean, also, I love living in Manhattan and working in Manhattan because there's just a lot to do there. Right. If you are not careful, it can be very toxic and destructive, Mm -hmm. which I learned the hard way. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a little bit about my journey. And so, I mean, I've always been interested in crystals. And it was only after that one incident when I was so sick that I started using it from a physical health perspective. And I got just, I mean, I just got amazing results with it. Hmm. That's so cool. I always like to kind of play devil's advocate for the listener out there who's like, that's a bunch of bullshit. So I'm curious, and I'm sure you've had this question before. How do you explain to people how crystals can help your health? I have come across a number of people who are skeptic, especially guys. Okay. I mean, females are just a little bit open. Guys are just like, you know, no, it doesn't work. My husband does not get the crystal thing at all. So I had a construction worker who was a client and he would literally swear every single morning when he wakes up because he was just in pain all over his body. I mean, wow. imagine being in construction, right? Be using those equipments and like vibration and all that stuff. He slept with a sound like, like a huge sound like log mm-hmm. and he still swears in the morning, but he's no longer in pain. And I think sometimes it just takes one or two crystals for a skeptic to become a believer. Mm-hmm. I also had my sister was redoing her roof and I happened to be here one day and started talking to one of the roofer and he was just complaining. He had knee pain, like and he's been doing roofing all his life and yeah. he can't do anything else. So I gave him a piece of selenite. He slept with it and his boss called my sister. <gasps> his boss was like a, very skeptical, but he was like, you know, my worker is like completely pain-free. What do you do? Wow. So my sister's not into, like she knows about crystals, but she's not first in crystal. Mm-hmm. And so she was just relaying that story to me. So I think sometimes it just takes someone to try it once and realize how effective they are to really understand how it works. But most crystals work on an energetic basis. A lot of our physical issues stem from energetic, from yep. our, stem from our emotions, mental. Mm-hmm. So if you feel, if you are completely healthy, but if you feel you're sick, you're going to make yourself feel sick. Mm-hmm. You're going to make yourself physically sick. Whereas if you feel you're like, you know, you can do anything and your health is a little bit like, you know, on the borderline sort of thing. But if you have the mentality that you can do anything, it's going to help to health in the process. Mm-hmm. So with crystals, it's just kind of an additional layer, additional tools to help go along with using your mind to help yourself. Yeah, I remember when I was getting trained in Reiki, it blew my mind initially to think about like, wait, 
the first level of protection is the energetic layer and then the emotions and then the physical health is like basically like the last stop. Your body is like, you're really doing it wrong (laughs) once you're actually feeling pain, right? Yes. Yeah. So basically by the time, if you actually do have something going on on a physical level, especially if it's something more serious, that's the body's way of telling you that something is wrong. Like it tells you through the other levels first. Right. And because we chose to ignore it or right. we didn't want to see it, then it's almost like the physical illness is a red flag. Right. Something is wrong. You need to stop. Right. And so it's unfortunately that it has to get to that point for most people to actually stop and really look into the help. Mm-hmm. I've always thought anything that has carbon in it, like is a life force in some way, right? And so crystals have carbon and they have the energetic like vibrations, right? There's a part of me that wants to understand like the scientific way that it works, but also mm-hmm. I know that it's not quite that easy because a lot of it is based on intention. But I don't know. I just said a lot of things that wasn't really a question, but can you speak to any of that? <laughs> well, I think for people who are even skeptical, also people who can't really quite explain it, like, you know, have you ever played with an energy ball? What is it? energy ball where you basically put your two hands facing each oh. other as if you're holding a ball but like yeah. obviously you're not really holding a ball yeah. a, like a, a physical ball and then you're just kind of moving your hand in and out kind of like with almost like filling an imaginary ball mm-hmm. and if you do that for a good 15 minutes you're going to feel like there's something between your hand right. even though you can't see it with your eyes yeah. So I think that's a very good example to tell people about how energy works. Just because you can't see it does not mean that it's not there. Also, from a feng shui perspective, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you go to some homes, like as soon as you walk in, you feel kind of like refreshed, uplifted. Whereas if you walk to some other homes, it's just like, oh, I just want to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And so that's energy. Like your sixth sense is picking up stuff that you may not consciously be aware of why you want to stay in one place and why you want to leave from another place. You know, and I have a great story about that in feng shui. So when my husband and I, we've been in our house now for, I think, nine years or something. And when we first moved in, I basically, my decorating style was just to recreate what I had done at the last space into this house. And (laughs) it's a very different layout. So it didn't really work. And my husband kept complaining for years. He's like, I don't feel good in the, it was a living room specifically. He's like, I really don't feel good here. I don't like it. I want to do something. And, you know, my practical self was like, well, there's nowhere else we can put the furniture because this is just the room is how it is. And I ended up hiring an interior designer who was a friend of mine and she fixed up the living room and the dining room. Everything was beautiful. And then my friend gave me the move your stuff, change your life book about Mm -hmm. feng shui. And when Mm -hmm. I read the book, I realized what she had done. She didn't, the interior designer friend doesn't know anything about feng shui, at least as far as I know. But basically, she feng shui the two rooms and everything was exactly where it was supposed to be, according to feng shui. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) And now my husband loves it. Well, interior design, I think they have an eye for design, but they also have an eye for energy. Mm. Like they just know what what flows. Yeah. Without really necessarily having studied feng shui. I find a lot of interior design have an eye for that, but they just, they just know without mm-hmm. knowing how they know that certain things should be placed a certain way. Yeah. Just an intuitive sense. Yes. 
So I'm curious to the leap from the financial world into crystals and energy. I'm guessing that that was not an easy decision for you. Could you talk about that? Because you, you you mentioned like your spiritual journey. And so I'm guessing there was sort of this culmination when you got sick. Just say more about that. Yeah. When I got sick, that was a catalyst. I mean, that was the start of, okay, I can't stay in finance. I can't have the lifestyle I'm having at that time. Because if I stay there, if I continue up along the path that I was going, I would be six foot under basically. Yeah. So I needed to really change and figure out what I want to do. And the first thing that had to go was actually my job. Finance for, I mean, because any job, I think for the most part is very stressful. There's politics, there's office politics. Mm -hmm. And it was not feeding my soul, even though it's paying well, it has a lot of really good benefits, but it wasn't really making my soul happy in a Mm -hmm. sense. So I've always been interested in feng shui ever since I was a child. And I started taking classes. I started learning more Uh about it um, from different teachers just to get a sense of how other people perceive feng shui. When I was growing up, it was just part of who I am. My parents didn't really talk about this is what you do for feng shui. And so you place this here, but it was more like a part of our life sort Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. So I've always taken it for granted. I just, I didn't realize it was a profession until way after college. Wow. Yeah. So the getting sick was getting sick was a catalyst. And then a year, I was a bit stubborn. So it took me a year <laughs> to actually transition to the feng shui and crystal side. Mm-hmm. I did it part-time for a year to try it out to see if I like it. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed it. I really like helping people. So when it was time to make a transition to full-time, my life literally changed completely because... Mm sustaining a Manhattan lifestyle requires certain income. Yeah. Yeah. So at that time, my sister was also traveling a lot. So I ended up house sitting for her. So it worked out really well. Like the universe kind of lined up the situation for me perfectly. So I transitioned into doing this full time. And my intention was actually to do feng shui, not crystal actually, Mm. just because it was more profitable from my standpoint. Mm -hmm. And my mentor actually suggested I start selling crystals. But I was like, no, no, I don't want to do that. I was <laughs> just like mm-hmm. having an online store. It just, the whole thing was just, for me, was very overwhelming. But as I started teaching about feng shui, teaching about crystals, um, people wanted to know where they can buy crystals. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I teach is that the quality of the crystal matter. Like you can't really just go to a bookstore necessarily, not to say that all bookstore, but just in general, go to a bookstore and buy a $10 bracelet and it's going to do the same thing as mm-hmm. a bracelet that's made of really quality beads and made with intention and right. made with like, you know, energy that goes into it. Because I have people come to me like who join my free Facebook group and they tell me that they're not getting the same result from crystals they buy elsewhere. And it really depends a lot on the quality. If you have a quality piece of crystal, it should do what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. If you're not buying a quality piece, I mean, that's nothing I can help you with. And I do <laughs> understand that it's a cost thing for some people. Okay, so I have a really interesting story. Mm-hmm. I was selling some crystals at a fair and someone came up to me and told me that she needed a specific crystal. And I told her, well, I have all these different variations, like, you know, in a tumble piece, in a bracelet, in a larger piece, etc. And her question was, 
what is the cheapest one you have. Mm-hmm. And but this was something for her health. And I was like, you know, you want a piece that actually is going to work. You, the smallest piece of crystal, it's not going to solve everything that you're trying to use it for. Mm-hmm. And so I find that very interesting because it also comes up in the Facebook group where people are like trying to find the cheapest yeah. way to solve a health issue. And your health is not something that you want to put on the back seat. I mean, it's something that you really want to make sure that is up to par because your health is going to last you the next X number of years. Do you want a healthy life or do you want to be always constantly worried about your health? Well, and I think that that's just a reflection of the American lifestyle, right? As you were talking about making the decision to leave your job and recognizing that it was going to kill you, I see that all of the time with clients. I mean, I truly feel that's why a lot of people end up becoming addicted to substances. That's that's my main specialty. And they become addicted because they're trying to anesthetize this life that isn't working for them. But so many people struggle to really recognize that and make that choice to leave something that's hurting them. I totally agree with that because I know for me, it, it was a very, very difficult choice to leave a very good paying job and to walk into something that is unknown and something I've never did my entire life, nor mm-hmm. did I ever, ever in my life imagine myself to be an entrepreneur. I mean, mm-hmm. I always thought I'd work for someone else for the rest of my life. I would yeah. be perfectly happy. We just don't know what life will throw at us, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So when you work with people, so if, if somebody wanted to hire you and be your client, what things do you work on with them? So it depends where they are. So I've had a lot of clients who come to me from a physical health challenge perspective, where they're dealing with a lot in their life, potentially maybe taking like different medication, like antidepressant medicine Mm -hmm. or just different type of medication. And they want to get off of it. Like they know it's not good for the body. Mm -hmm. There are side effects. And they want to find an alternative or natural or holistic way of helping them with whatever they're going through without that side effect. Mm -hmm. And so crystal is one of those ways just because we don't ingest crystals. Although I have to say that some people do ingest crystal infused water, which Mm -hmm. is a bit different, but we normally don't ingest crystals. So if a crystal is not working for us, if it's not helping us, it just doesn't do anything. There's no side effect. It's not going to cause any harm to Mm -hmm. the body. Whereas a crystal that is actually helping us, it's going to help push us to either release the pain or to work through our emotional stuff to release the pain. Mm -hmm. And then I also have a spectrum of um, clients who are looking at it from a spiritual perspective, who wants to use crystals to help raise their vibration. One of my platforms, most of last year and even this year as well, is that people feel a need for protection. Mm-hmm. So they feel like they walk into a space and they're kind of like, you know, it feels yucky sort of thing. Yeah. But the thing is, if you feel like you need protection, the universe is going to throw stuff at you where you're going to need protection. <laughs> so the yeah. trick is, is to raise your vibration, is to raise your own vibration up so that you only attract like vibration into your life. Right. 
I've seen that with clients. And it's interesting because, you know, I, I had a client come to me once and say, I want to get in better relationships. How do I do that? And I think some therapists will be like, okay, well, here are these strategies. And my strategy was like, how about let's just do therapy for a little while. And I know that as you shift and change and grow, you're going to attract different people into your life. And that's exactly what happened. Healing a part of the emotional body certainly, I'm guessing, raises your vibration, right? If you're happier and healthier, feeling more confident, your vibration is different. It's totally true. Yes. I actually had a client who was also looking for a relationship. So I think if you were to take that one step further in terms of from emotions to intention. Mm -hmm. So I gave her an exercise to do with crystals where she sets intention on finding someone, finding a partner, like Mm -hmm. someone permanent, like not long-term partner. So in addition to the emotional piece, she was also putting intention into the exercise that she was doing to attract a partner. And she was able to attract a partner like relatively soon after that. Hmm. It didn't quite work out to be who she wanted. So she needed to fine-tune because as part of the intention exercise, you kind of have to specify who you want. Like, Mm. you know, you can't be asking just for anybody because anybody can just show up and may not be who you want. So you kind of have to put a little bit more thought into who exactly are you looking for? What qualities? So yeah, it worked out really well for her. That's so cool. And now when I buy a crystal, I then look up the meaning and, you know, see what it can be used for. Do you find that you kind of stick with that? Or is it sometimes a particular person might need a particular crystal for something? I actually always recommend to people not to look up what they're used for. The reason why I don't recommend looking it up at first, at least for a little bit, is because you want to work with your crystal yourself. Gather Mm -hmm. information. Like, you know, if you were to hold on to your crystal, what information is the crystal trying to tell you? Does it feel warm? Does it feel hot? Allow your own intuition to guide you to what the crystal is used for. Mm -hmm. And then look up. Because if you look up first, it may not necessarily correlate to what you have gotten yourself from the crystal. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the books, internet, whatever sources you're getting the information from, is based upon that person's experience at the time they were working with that crystal. I have crystals where I work with them for like a few weeks, got the information that I needed. Two years later, I go back to the same crystal. I get totally different information because Mm. I'm at a different place. Mm -hmm. So I'm picking up different information. So I always tell people, instead of rely on someone else to tell you what the crystal is for, Mm -hmm. trust your instinct. Yeah. And it's interesting as you were talking about kind of the quality of crystals. So I, you might be horrified by this. I'm not sure. But I've been getting a lot on eBay just because they're cheap. Because mm-hmm. I know people are like, oh, you have to hold it in your hand. And I've been kind of going with the idea that whatever the crystal comes with, I'm going to cleanse it anyway. I'm going to put my Reiki on it. And then it's going to be what it's going to be. But I do find that there are some crystals that I have that I go to more and I want to like meditate with them or I tend to take them to like trainings with me or if I need grounding or something like that. But there are certain ones that I tend to pick up and take with me more. I don't know if it's necessarily higher quality, but whatever the resonance is, they're more resonant with me. Yes. um, We all go through cycles of what we resonate with. It depends what we need today. Mm -hmm. So right now you may be 
being pulled towards certain crystals because that's what you need right now. Yeah. So maybe like two months from now, you may be pulled toward other crystals because that's what you need. Mm-hmm. So always trust yourself in terms of what you need, even if you don't consciously know why you need that particular crystal. Mm-hmm. That really speaks to needing to be in touch with one's own intuition. And that also is just not something that culturally we encourage people to do, right? I was watching a TV show and they were trying to get this kid to go see a dead body in a casket. And the kid was like, I don't want to go. And the parents were pushing him to do it. And I was just thinking that's where intuition gets killed because something inside the kid is saying, this is not right for me. And the parents are saying, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Let me push you towards something that's uncomfortable. How did you recognize for yourself, like, this is a thing that's real and I need to listen to it more? I have to say, though, for me, it took me a while. I mean, even to the point after I transitioned into my business, my logical brain is so strong being Mm -hmm. in finance that it kind of automatically turns on and override my intuition. So it was kind of like a learning process. And I realized after making a few mistakes of not listening to my intuition that I realized I need to stop doing that and I need to listen to my intuition. Yeah. Regardless of the outcome. Like if I was right. if I wanted a specific outcome, it didn't turn out that way and I, I still followed my intuition, then that was good. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we don't know what's around the corner. We can't see like how one action is going to impacts other stuff that may eventually come back around and is beneficial to our lives. Right. Because it's the bigger picture stuff that we just don't know in hindsight. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, let's shift into the question about the word healer and how that might apply to you and your work. I actually have a lot of issues calling myself a healer. Uh-huh. I always equate it to like doctors, shamans, medicine women, people who actually did physical healing work. But then I realized over time that healing comes in many forms. There's emotional healing, there's mm-hmm. spiritual healing, there's mental healing. And then there's also, which all of these fall under, is energetic healing. And that's mm-hmm. what I do, which is to help people shift their energy so that they heal from many different levels. And at the end of the day, they are much healthier, owning their own power and not being so distracted or wishy-washy, I guess is a good word, where they mm-hmm. this has strong boundaries, basically. I think that's one thing, that's also one thing I teach to my clients as they're working with crystals as well. I think that's very, very important. Mm-hmm. So was it initially just kind of this idea that there were only certain professions of people that were healers and that's why you couldn't call yourself one? I always equate it to people who actually did healing work in terms of you can actually physically see the healing itself. Uh, Not necessarily see see the healing process, but you see the person really sick in the beginning and the person is like completely Mm -hmm. healed. So I always equate it to medical professionals or to even shamans who does that type of work. But then I realized it's actually a a much more broader term than just the physical healing piece. And we all heal along a journey our emotional self and mental self, which is harder to see from an outside perspective. Yep. But you only really see it when you start working with clients and you notice the changes. They're completely different from when you first started working with them. 
Yeah. And I mean, that's pretty much what happens in therapy, too. And I started working in addiction in a detox center. And what I really loved was being able to see that physical transformation, because if somebody's using, you know, alcohol and drugs every day and they go into a hospital like six days later, they're going to look different. (laughs) But then when I moved to more outpatient, longer term work, it can be so slow. And sometimes if you're in the thick of it, feeling like, oh, this isn't working or it's not rewarding. But then, yeah, I'm almost every time I see a complete transformation with people. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's very like, you know, hot warm when you see the aha moment sort of thing, like when you really click everything that you've been telling them or teaching them to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is cool. And I love, you know, sometimes I hear from people, I imagine you do too, right? Hear from people years later, like, oh my gosh, you helped me so much. And this was such a hard time in my life. Yeah. I have some people who come back or who email me to give me updates of what's going on in their life. And so it's really nice to hear the changes that's been going on, which is very nice. Yeah. So how about the term wounded healer? How does that sit with you? I actually think we are all wounded healers. Mm-hmm. I think we have all have the ability to heal, to heal ourselves and to heal others. But we also carry lifetimes of past misdeeds from being murderers ourselves to being murdered. So from stealing to being stolen from, mm. from being bullied to being the bully. I'm a firm believer of reincarnation. Mm-hmm. So we carry the hurt, the horror, the grief, the victimhood. Whatever we have gone through from prior lifetimes to an, from one to the next, not realizing how much of it impacts us. Mm-hmm. So I have had a number of soul retrievals yeah. that were done on my behalf mm-hmm. and that I did on my own behalf. Mm. And then coupled with the Akashic Records work mm-hmm. and the shamanism, thankfully I was able to release between 90 to 95% of my fears. And so the combination with that with crystal and feng shui have changed me to a point that like when I meet people I met I know five ten years ago like they don't recognize me I'm completely different person wow so for me I know that like everybody is a wounded healer and we all need to heal different aspects of ourselves to really get into I guess our true potential in this lifetime in a sense yeah and I talk about this, and I, people always cringe when I talk about it, which is about letting go of fears. Mm-hmm. And we have to let go of fears. Like, you know, if you are five years old, you probably have like one or two fears, right? Mm-hmm. By the time you're 40, if you don't let any of them go, you're going to be carrying around like hundreds or even thousands of different fears. Mm. And they just weight you down by so much. Yeah. And that's not to say all the fears come from this lifetime. We right. carry some from other lifetimes. Mm-hmm. And it's so rewarding if you just kind of let them all go, work through them and release them. And this is from more from a personal perspective, just because I know once I started releasing my fears, I totally understand now what the difference is between fears and worries. Yeah. And I would say that fear is almost embedded in you somewhere. And a worry is just like, oh, a concern about a thing that might or might not happen or something that happened in the past. Yes, but I think sometimes it can also cross each other. Like for instance, money, right? A lot of people Mm -hmm. have this feeling about a lack of money or- My my husband does. (laughs) Rich, are you listening? (laughs) (laughs) They're fearful that there's not going to be enough, that they have to worry about their retirement. Right. It crosses between 
both spectrum of fear and worries, mm -hmm. but there mm -hmm. is a difference between the two. And so once you change your thought about money from a fear perspective, oh my God, it's like the worries of it. It just shifts. I mean, yeah. I still worry sometimes, but it's just totally different from how I used to worry about money, put it that way. Yeah. That's a really good example. And that's one that I've told my husband, we just have fundamentally different feelings about money. And for me, I know it comes from, you know, being raised lower middle class. We didn't always have it, but I figured it out. Somehow I kept myself afloat until I met him. I, I was doing pretty well. And in times where he's like, oh, you know, there's too much on the credit card bill or something. And I'll be like, yeah, I know, but we're going to be okay. And then all of a sudden he'd get a bonus at work. And I'm like, see, I told you, like <laughs> money just kind of somehow always comes to me. Um, so, so just trust me and he still can't, but that's something he'll work on with his therapist. <laughs> yeah. Because that's embedding him it is. about his perception about money. Absolutely. So I feel like specifically in Chicago, people are hungry for this way of thinking, way of being. People are more curious, I think, about metaphysical things than ever before, at least in the sphere that seems to be around me. What do you think that's about? Well, I think a lot of people are looking at conventional medicine and mm -hmm. realizing it's not what it's cracked up to be, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, if you ever see any of those commercials on TVs about the different drugs, I mean, right. there's like 20 different side effects. Right. And I'm just like, every single drug seems to have some type of side effects. And taking a drug and maybe getting a side effect, like, you know, was I think maybe more of a norm in the past. I'm not quite sure. I think it was more of a norm. Like now everybody who's taking medication, they have some type of side effects. And then you take another medication to combat that side effect. <laughs> And then, yeah, and then it accumulates. Yeah, and like it, yeah. and then you have to worry about if they clash, right? right? So I think a lot of people are kind of trying to seek alternative ways of healing, or at least to help supplement the healing process mm -hmm. and not necessarily rely totally on conventional medicine. Although I think conventional medicine is good in some respect. If you're taking a drug like antidepressant for like years, mm -hmm. upon years, I mean, the drug itself is causing a lot of, potentially havoc on your body, mm -hmm. the different organs. Like just because you can't see that your liver is being damaged, that does not say it's not being damaged. Sort right. of thing. I do know that one of my clients has shared with me that like when she was on antidepressant drugs and terrible things are happening along the way, she didn't feel it. She was numb to it all. Oh wow. That sort of thing. And it wasn't until she was off of it that she everything hit her. Mm. And so I think Medicine is good to some degree for short term, not necessarily for long term. And even for crystals, I don't recommend relying on one crystal indefinitely, mm -hmm. right? For instance, mm -hmm. like, you know, if you use tiger iron, for instance, to fight exhaustion, then you use that for a little bit, and but you only use it when you need it. It's not like you're not necessarily using that stone every single day, day in and day out. Mm -hmm. So, which is one good thing about using crystals, you don't necessarily become hooked onto a crystal. Right. Well, my husband would argue with you on that with me. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I know what you're saying. So whereas with medicine, it's like, you know, there's also the potential being hooked on it for the rest of your life as well, which right. is, I mean, it's unfortunate. And I do want to say for listeners too, not that all medication is bad. And I heard you say, you know, Western medicine is good for certain things. And it's all about discernment, right? I think it's about not just 
assuming that the doctor knows exactly everything about what's going to work for your body chemistry. When you tell me the story about the client you knew who didn't feel anything and was numb, she was over-medicated, you know? And why didn't the psychiatrist or the doctor change her dosage? You know, there's so many people in positions of power that we just give that power away to them. I've yes. been listening to Dr. Death. It's a podcast about a doctor in, I think it was in Dallas, who ended up killing 33 people just because he was a terrible surgeon. The last episode I was listening to, they were talking about having discernment and really checking up and trusting not only somebody's resume, but intuitively knowing, like, are they really able to help me? And that's something, again, back to intuition, like we can feel that if it's going to work or not. I totally agree with that. But I think sometimes, depending on what health plans you have, you may not be able to select. Right. Which yeah. don't even get me started on the healthcare system and insurance. I literally want to burn it to the ground. <sighs> I don't know what's going to happen before before it starts getting better. Well, no, I mean, I, I think medicine to some degree is beneficial, depending on what you're mm -hmm. taking it for mm -hmm. and how is it helping you. But I think a lot of patient or a lot of clients tends to trust the doctor to the point where they don't really question mm -hmm. or they right. don't really ask, like, you know, like, how long am I going to be on this medication for? What potential side effects are there? Does right. it clash with any of my drugs? And they only ask these questions in the midst of having issues, right? which is not the best time to be asking a question. Not that it's not the best time to ask a question, but those questions should be asked in the beginning stage right? sort of thing. Yeah. Well, Susan, we're running towards the end of the hour, so I want to be mindful of your time. Is there anything that we didn't talk about today that you really want people to know? Yes, just one thing. So I've been wanting to do this for a while, and I've been trying to figure out how to do it in what context sort of thing. And I was kind of inspired by someone else who was actually doing something similar when I was reading her website. So I want to be able to give back. Like, you know, I'm mm -hmm. very blessed in terms of, of like having a very good business and having clients come to me, asking me questions and helping them find the right stones and all that stuff. But I'm also very sad sometimes to read stories about suicides and depression yeah. on the internet. I'm just like, you know, everybody should feel like they're loved and they're thought of and, and they're not alone in this world in a sense. Mm-hmm. So I am starting just as something small. We'll see how it goes. Starting on November 2nd and every first Friday of every month, I put a post up in my One Piece Sanctuary Facebook page where individuals can nominate someone they know, hmm. friends, acquaintances, colleagues, whoever, as long as they know the person's mailing address because I would need the mailing address. Mm -hmm. Where they nominate someone, put a little story about why this person sound their luck sort of thing. And then three to five individuals would get a small box of crystals where oh I'll just mail it to them. It's my way of giving back to the world in a sense. Yeah. And I just want people to feel like they're just not, they're not alone. There are people who are concerned about them. They are thinking about them, but yeah. they may not necessarily word it or tell them on a day-to-day -day basis sort of thing. So I think a small gift, it'll bring at least a smile to someone's face, hopefully. That's really lovely. And that's huge, I think. And the suicide rate has gone up over the past couple years. And so, again, kind of like we were talking about earlier, once something starts affecting your physical and mental health, you know, like you got to change some shit. And I, I think that it's a cultural wake up that we have to change things. Mm -hmm. And I think people like you are trying to do that. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. 
Thank you so much. This was so lovely. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I love your work. I love everything that you stand for. Well, thank, thank you. you. I appreciate it. And if people listening here want to become a client of yours, do they just contact you from your website or how do they get in touch with you? So for people who are into crystals already and they want to learn about crystals, I have a Facebook group called Crystals for Your Health where you can just join. It's free and I provide tip information about crystals. I also have a crystal shop on Shopify mm -hmm. and I'll send you all this information if you want to include it. Yeah, for sure. Basically, all the crystals that I've mentioned in my Facebook group or even on any of my pages are available for sale from the store. Awesome. And then obviously, I also have the One Piece Sanctuary Facebook page where listeners can nominate someone who mm -hmm. they feel would really benefit from getting a crystal box in the mail. Awesome. That's cool. I'm going to have to think about who needs a crystal box. <laughs> <laughs> Great, Susan. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. My big thanks to Susan for joining us today, and thank you for continuing to listen. And as always, thank you to Andrea Clunder and Edwin Ruiz at the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, Liam O'Donnell for that album art photo, and my friend Ben Mueller for the theme music. To connect with Susan or for us, you can find us at www.headhearttherapy.com podcast. You can also find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Spotify, and all the places that you find your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Take care.